Well, today is um, the day before church camp. And so what that means is a lot of us will be, we won't be here um, next Sunday, okay? But, but, just because we're here, I still want you to come. Why? Because we have a really uh, great speaker lined up for you. And that's my friend Steve Rivera, you know, right here. You know, you've been seeing him more and more, but... uh, you know, Steve um, was a pastor uh, with me at Evergreen, and you know he's got—he's one of the wisest guys that I know. God has gifted him with incredible wisdom, but I, I know that when you you know, take a look at Steve, he could be kind of intimidating, right? You look at him, and he could be like, "Ooh, do I want to go and talk to this guy? Will he hurt me?" He's like uh, scary looking, but don't let his outward appearance intimidate you, because he has got a heart of gold. You know, if there's anyone that would give the shirt off his back to help you, it's Steve. And I remember one time when we had Family Promise. And for those of you who don't know what Family Promise is, Family Promise is, you know, when we house homeless people at this church for a week. And they came and um, they forgot their air beds. So none of the families had air beds. And this was about maybe 9, 10 o'clock at night. And... Um, um, the airbeds were at Evergreen. And so, you know, I called several pastors and asked if they could let me in. And, you know, some of them I couldn't reach. Others would say, I'm sorry, but I'm kind of not close or I'm busy. And I called Steve and asked Steve, how are you doing? He goes, well, you know, I'm not feeling well. I'm sick. And then I go, oh, man, Steve, I'm so sorry that you're, you know, feeling that way. I feel bad about this, but I need to ask you a favor. Would you come and let me into Evergreen because I need these arrow mattresses for these families? And without hesitation, you know, he got himself out of bed. He wasn't feeling well, and he came down to the church, and he opened it up for me so they could have beds. But that's the kind of guy Steve is. You know, I've heard him preach a lot, and sorry, Steve, but... I, I know you've probably said some good things, but what I remember about Steve more is his actions and how he loves God. So please come next week. God, I know God is going to bless you through Steve's message. Um, but we are concluding our series in starting over. Because there are times in our lives where things just don't go well. It blows up. And we're trying to uh, fix this. And how are we going to fix this certain situation? And the only conclusion we have is that we got to start all over again. You know, starting all over. And if you take a look at this, let it go. Where's that come from? Any of you? Frozen. Yeah, that Pixar Disney's um, animated film was one of my favorites. I love that film. But, you know, this whole thing about letting it go, it's about the story of, you know, the king had this daughter, Elsa, and she had this uncontrollable power that <laughs> where she froze things. And when she froze things, they couldn't be unfrozen. And so she has to leave civilization, all of that which she loved, to live a solitary life so she couldn't cause any more damage. And then there was this one famous song, which is one of my favorites. It's called what? It's that song. You know, let it go. Basically, what that song is about is leaving her past behind so she could be the person that she was meant to be. 
Now this is something that I struggled with, and I know that some of you have struggled with this, where you have had a hard time letting your past go. And because of that, it's affecting your life today. And until we get to the point where we let it go, it's going to haunt us over and over and over again. And so part of this whole theme about starting over is how to ensure next time won't be like this time. And you know, there's that, um, we, you know, the first week we had this, I know better, so I'll do better next time myth, right? We think that because we know better, we'll do better next time. But that's just a myth. Because we could know better, but if we don't have the self-discipline to change things, if we don't have even the desire to change things, if we don't have the strength to change things, even though we know things are still going to be just like last time. And so part of it is, we said then the week one is you need to own it. That a lot of the problems that we face, we have to own our responsibility in that problem rather than to always shift blame to other people or other circumstances. Because when we shift blame or to other people, what we do is we smuggle our dysfunction into the future, where I may be pretty good at hiding it, right? There's a lot of things that I know that I'm, I'm at fault, but I blame others to conceal that so you don't think it's me, that my image is protected. But the problem with that is if I don't deal with it, if I blame others, I carry that into the future, And one of the things we talked about is how many times do we have problems we're always blaming other people or other circumstances, but there's really only one common denominator. And what's that common denominator? Me. I mean, I could blame all the people I want. I could blame all the circumstances I want, but there's one common denominator through all of those, and it's me. It's you. You need to take responsibility for you're part of the problem. Last week we talked about rethink it. Rethink it. And what we are talking about, there are certain situations that we go through when afterwards we take a look at ourselves and we were going, what was I thinking? What was I thinking when I did that? And when I look back at it, this decision doesn't even make sense. What was I thinking? But the problem is we don't spend enough time to answer that question. Right? And I was showing that a lot of times we go, well, what was I thinking? And we laugh about it, right? With maybe our spouse, our friends, and then, boom, we move on to the next thing without really sitting down and thinking about what was I thinking that caused um, this problem. And today, as we we conclude Andy Stanley's um, starting over series, we're going to talk about you need to release it. First week was you have to own it. Second week was rethink it. And if you are going to make sure that the next time isn't like this time, you need to release it. Okay, so if you go to the next slide. Remember we started off with this slide and um, when we take a look at the, you know, that represents problems. That the whole circle represents problems. And so the dark blue is where we think it's our responsibility. 
okay? Rarely are we going to say, you know, it's my fault, it's my fault, it's my fault. So let's say you take credit for, which is a dark blue slice, 10%. 10% of all the struggles, all of the problems we face through is, okay, you know, that's on me. But we said, unless you own that, unless you rethink it, unless you're telling yourself, what was I thinking when I did this, you're going to repeat the same mistakes. Now, if we go to the next one. Now, the dark blue, okay, that's everybody else. Okay, I had a problem. That's my wife's fault. That's my children's fault. That's my boss's fault. That's my family's fault. Whatever it is, we put that blame on other people. But the problem with that is if we don't deal with that part right, guess what? We're going to carry those things with us to into the future. And those negative thoughts that we have, if we don't correct them, are going to keep us enslavement to them. They are going to influence our future unless we deal with that. So not only do we have to deal with our issues and own it, but we also have to deal with the issues of others or else it's going to um, affect us. You know, if I was to ask you this question, who wants those who hurt you to have influence over your future? Does anyone here want those who have hurt us to influence us over future? You know, none of us want people who wrecked our life to influence our future. And there are some of us here this morning that are holding on to a grudge because somebody hurt you. Because somebody caused pain in your life. And you're remembering it. Right? And so the question I have for you is this. This next one. Is how far into the future do you intend to carry the anger, hurt, or anxiety created in your past? I want you to, if you're carrying a grudge today, if all of a sudden, as I started talking, immediately a person comes to your mind. Immediately a situation comes to your mind that you're just carrying this grudge. How far in the future do you intend to carry it? How far in the future? Because obviously you're carrying it right now. I don't know how long it's been since this happened. It could have been maybe last week. It could have been last month. Could have been last year, or it could have been decades. How long are you going to carry that in? And then the next question. How long do you plan to allow the people who mistreated you to influence you? As you sit here today, and you think about those people who hurt you. It could have been family members. It could be friends, whatever. How long do you plan to allow people who mistreated you to influence you? I would gather that most of us here today would say, you know what, I don't want that. I want to take care of it now. And that's what we're going to take, that's what we're going to talk about it. But if you don't want people to influence you, you got to do something about it. You got to do something about it. You know, as, you know, a pastor, you know, I've seen 
people that, you know, live good and good lives. You know, they seem like they have a perfect life. They've got their act together. And then you hear their story. And then you hear about some horrible, tragic situation in your life. And the first thing we think or I think is, I would have never guessed that happened to you. As I look at your life right now, you know, I see the love, the joy, the happiness that you're experiencing. I would have never guessed that you experienced such a horrible situation. You know, and you say, well, how do they get to the point where they are today? And one of the common responses is this. If you go to the next slide, they decided they decided. I remember one time at Family Promise, and I, those of you who've served in Family Promise might remember this family, but there was, there was this one family whose kids were the best behaved kids that I ever seen, seen in my life. You know, And this was from a homeless family who went through so much. And I was like, man, your kid's Behave better than my kid, you know, and you know, I gave tried to give Michael everything. But as we looked at them, their kids were so loving, so well behaved. And I said, But you've been through so much, and I had to ask her, How'd you do it? How'd you do it? Give me the secret that maybe I could use, you know, as I raised my son. And she just told me that yes, we've been through some tough times. But I was going to let that change the way my children behave towards one another. I wasn't going to let that change the way my children behave to other people. And it was just, I was just in awe that her kids were so well behaved, so loving when they went through that. Because basically, basically she believed this. And she Next slide, please. My past will remind me, but not define me. My past will remind me. You know, the, the, you know for her, she, she knew what happened in her life. She knew the hardships that she had to go as a single mother, but she didn't let those hardships define her. She didn't let those hardships define her. She made a decision to leave the past behind. And each one of you, and this is great news, whether you're a believer or not, each one of you has the ability to leave the past behind once you decide to do it. You know, you could say, you know what? For me, I've learned from the past, but I won't let it keep me in slavery. Some of you here today might be sitting here in slavery because of your past. It could have been something that someone's done to you, or maybe it's just some mistake that you've made, but you can't let it go. So everywhere you go, it's like this backpack, and it's getting heavier and heavier and heavier, and it's affecting those around us. So the question is, how do we ensure that the next time won't be like the last time? Well, you need to release the past so the past doesn't control your future. You need to release the past so your past doesn't control your future. You know, I know that um, part of you are sitting here right now, once again, thinking about something that maybe happened to you a long time ago, right? 
It's something that irks you. It's something that you always bring up with your friends. Your friends, your family members, they all know it because you keep bringing it up. But it's preventing you from moving on. It's preventing you from moving on because you are so focused on that, you can't look towards the future. You can't even look towards the present, right? And the question is, you have to find a way to let it go. You have to find a way to let it go. And so the question is, how do we do that? And the Bible has a way, and that's this. I need to forgive. It's simple, right? But it's hard. But the only way that you could leave your past behind is to what? Forgive. Forgive the person who hurt you. Forgive the person who said harmful things to you. Forgive the person who abandoned you, right? Now, a lot of people say, well, I'll forgive them when they apologize to me, right? If they apologize to me, then I'll forgive them. As we learn in Scripture, the Bible never talks about waiting for an apology before forgiving somebody, right? That each one of us today has the ability to forgive, regardless of whether that person apologizes or not. Now, forgiveness doesn't mean to forgive is to forget, right? I've heard more, so many people know, well, forgiving is forgetting. That's so not true. Forgiving is not forgetting, right? I mean, I remember all the times people hurt me, right? I've learned from it, but it's, you know, I've, I still remember However, I know the process of forgiveness has been complete in my life because when I think of the situation where that person hurt me, there is no um, initial reaction to seek revenge. There is no anger in me. You know, where I could remember, I'm thinking about it right now, right? And I'm preaching. Why? Because I've forgiven this individual, and forgiven, forgiveness has completed its process. I still remember. I still remember. However, there's no angst inside me when I think about um, this situation. So if you have your Bibles, can you turn with me to Ephesians 4, verse 26. Ephesians 4, verse 26. And this is written by the Apostle Paul. And like I said, the Apostle Paul was a guy who hated Christians. He, he persecuted them. He um, killed them. He made it his lifelong ambitions to wipe Christians off the face of the earth. And then he came to know Jesus Christ. He was converted, and his life changed. Now, it's incredible what you see the Apostle Paul writes if you really know what his past was like. But this is how much Jesus Christ could change you if you let him. Because I know none of you were like the Apostle Paul. We're going around actually killing people, you know, persecuting them, trying to wipe a people group off the face of the earth. And if, the, if Jesus could change the Apostle Paul to where he's writing this stuff, he could change you. He could change me. And that's the good news about um, the gospel. It says, in your anger, do not sin. 
In your anger, it says, do not sin. Now, the word anger here is not just used for your um, occasional spat or just an explosion caused by a misunderstanding. It's a deep-seated anger caused by, that's causing you to seek revenge. Okay. However, in this context, the anger can be either be good or bad depending on the motive or purpose. It says, it's okay to be angry, just don't sin. Remember Jesus? Jesus got angry, right? Jesus got angry at the religious leaders who were putting a burden on people because of the religious leaders' self-righteousness. They would think they were so better than everybody. They were, very, they were judging everybody. And Jesus got angry at them. He didn't sin. Remember Jesus at the, got angry at the money changers because at the temple you could not use the Roman currency in order to buy an animal to sacrifice. You had to use temple currency. Now what they were doing is they were gouging people, especially the poor people, in the exchange rate. And then Jesus got angry at that because there was these people who needed to purchase animals to sacrifice, Right? But they were gouging people. Jesus got angry, but he didn't sin. So it's possible. And then he Paul goes, do not let the sun go down um, while you are still angry. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And a lot of people take this literally that all disagreements need to be settled before you go to bed. Especially married couples. And I used to take this literally. But, you know, when Grace and I first got married, you know, Grace and I are very different people. Grace is very organized, you know, very task-driven. You know, I'm relational. But on the scale of we're not here, I'm over here where I'm very relational. And task to me is like, ah, as long as, how are people doing with each other? You know, are you feeling good? You know, is there anything I could help you with? That's me. Grace is over here on this side. Hey, we got to get this done. We got to do this, 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 right? Which is good because if it was just left to me over here, I'd get nothing done. She lights a fire under my rear end, right? But if she was just over here, I said, honey, man, man you know, I know task is important, but you know, you got to think about, you know, what you're saying to people, you know? And so we've kind of, um, gotten, and, uh, I'm a little bit more task oriented now and she's a little bit more relational, but that's the way marriage works, right? But you can, imagine when we first got married, right? We would get in all kinds of arguments. And me being the relational side under here, honey, we can't let the sun go down in our anger. We need to talk about this. You know, 11 o'clock at night. I'm tired. Leave me alone. I got to get up at 5 o'clock. No, the Bible says we can't let the sun go down in our anger. We need to talk, right? And we just, then we started arguing about that, right? And then after a while, I just said, God, I know this is your scripture, but this is just dumb. You know, I can't do this. You know, my wife's not cooperating with me. I'm trying to hold on to scripture, right? Why? Because I didn't understand the meaning of that scripture. Now, don't get me wrong. Okay, don't, if you could settle things before you go to bed, you know, married couples or anybody, if you're a friendship, you know, if you could settle it before you um, go to bed or before, you know, that other person goes to bed and you call them, hey, that's the best case scenario. But sometimes problems are too big to be settled, you know, in one night. However, what is Apostle Paul saying here? He is saying that unresolved anger has a way of snowballing out of control. And that is it. it's important to take care of it as soon as possible. 
right? You know, I used to be the kind that if there was a problem, I just, I'm, I'm the ostrich, buried my head underground, and hopefully it'll go away, right? Hopefully it'll go away by the time I bring my head up. But you know what? I found out if I don't take care of it, guess what? It just snowballs and snowballs into snowballs into something larger. And this is what the Apostle Paul is saying here. Is if there's a problem between you and somebody else, you need to take care of it as soon as possible. And once again, you have to ask yourself this question. How many sunsets are going to pass before you address this issue? Is it one? Is it one week? Is it one year worth of sunsets that are going to happen before you address this? He says it's important to address it as soon as you can. And you know what? One of the truths that I found out that many times people, they hurt us, but they don't have any idea that they hurt us. You know, a lot of times when people hurt us, we think, oh, man, they were just waiting for this one. They did it intentionally. And so many fights that Grace and I had, I think she did something intentionally to hurt me or to make me mad. 99% of the time, you know, she wasn't trying to do anything, right? She wasn't trying to do anything. And I'd just be stewing there, angry, just looking at her like this. And she's just eating her dinner. It's like, why aren't you mad? What, what, can't you figure this out? I'm just, oh, you know, and, you know, I just get so angry that she didn't figure it out, right? But I'm the one who was supposed to, you know, bring it up, right? Because most of the time she didn't know. And I would guess that's the same in, in your situation, that you wonder why you can't go to sleep at night because you're just thinking about what this person is going through. But then when you look at their life, they're like, hey, they're going on through life like nothing's happened. Hey, they're at Disneyland having a great time. We just, oh, they did this to me. They should be suffering. They should be in pain. They shouldn't be having fun at Disneyland. Why? And they're sleeping well at night. Why? Because they didn't know that they hurt you. And so give people the benefit of the doubt. If somebody hurts you, give them a benefit of doubt. You have to take care of it. You have to talk to them about it. But don't assume that they're, you know, they're out. To get you, okay? It says, do not give the devil an oppor- a foothold. It said, basically, don't give the devil an opportunity. See, God is a God of reconciliation, and Satan wants to keep that from happening. If Satan could, God wants you to reconcile your relationships as quickly as, God, as you can. God wants all of us to live in reconciled relationship. But guess what? Satan doesn't. If Satan could continue to keep a wedge between you and somebody else, he's gaining a major victory in our lives. If he could keep us angry, as if he could, if he could keep us uh, having, a, if he could allow us to keep having this vengeful heart towards somebody, he's winning major victories in our lives because he knows how powerful that wedge could be in destroying relationships. So don't give them up for all. It says, in your anger, next slide, do not let the sun go down while you're staying angry and do not give whatever. Fill in the blank. Do not let so-and-so, do not let 
such and such circumstance gain a foothold in your life. It's kind of like slamming the door and when foothold, boom, Satan puts that his foot right there so you can't close the door. Next, you know, he wedges, 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 and boom, he just opens that door. Don't give him that, that opportunity, and that's what he's saying here. And then he continues, says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Malice. It says, get rid of it. Get rid of it. You have a choice. Get rid of it. You know, and I've seen God work in this life because I was a rage monster in my life. You know, I, I just was. My mom saw it. Everybody saw it. I was a rage monster. And part of it is it's because there's that 10% that I didn't um, deal with, but then there's that larger um, um, area of my life that I didn't deal with. And part of it in the areas when I was older, I didn't figure this out until I was, you know, think, seeing a therapist, but you know, it was because I was bullied as a kid, right? I don't know if any of you guys have ever been bullied, but back then when I was growing up, you didn't have people um, sticking up for you, right? Back then, it's if you, there's only one way out of being bullied, and that was to fight your way out of it, right? But I was a small kid, you know, and so I was pushed around. I was bullied, you know, and I hated that. It makes you feel like a coward, and it just builds this rage inside of you. And, then, you know, I didn't deal with it healthily. The way I dealt with it was to be good in sports. The way I dealt with it was to have the best-looking girlfriend in the school because then I would get respect, right? But I, I was using those things, not for their proper uses, to gain respect that I couldn't get on my own. So I was just this rage monster inside. I didn't take care of that blue part of the pie. And it kept on, and it kept going with me wherever I went. Where inside, there was just this rage monster inside. Until one time, and I shared this with you, when I was um, supervising the ticket counter at Continental, this guy said, called me a Jap. And then that just snapped, and I'm going after this guy. And if it wasn't for my assistant supervisor, who was bigger and stopped me, I probably would have gotten fired. It didn't matter that he called me a Jap. They don't care. If I went over and I put a hand on this customer... I would have been fired. Why? Because I had this rage. I had this thing that I didn't deal with properly, and that was bringing, I was carrying it along with me in the future. And it affected my future, where I almost could have gotten fired because I didn't take care of that. Right? What are you carrying? What are you carrying? And I could say that I had to make a choice. Yeah, that happened when I was a kid. Yeah, it wasn't fun, and I still remember it. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much almost over it. I still get little tinges when I think about being bullied. But, but you know, that rage monster is no longer there. Because when somebody hardened me, I knew I wasn't strong enough to, you know, physically take care of them. But up here... Oh boy, I would think evil. I could think, how could I get them back? 
How could I do something to them where they don't know it's me that would cause great harm to them? And actually, my thoughts are pretty scary, you know, at the, at the time, right? But, you know, thank God he took care of that. So, you know, when I was in ministry, I'd, you know, hear it from certain congregations. And now I just pray for them. And I don't have to think evil. So don't worry about this. I'm not planning any evil things about you guys. Um, But you know what? If I didn't let it go, it, it influenced my future. I let a group of guys influence my future. I let a group of bullies influence my future. Are you doing the same thing? Is there something in your life that is causing you harm because of what happened in the past? And unless you get rid of it, it's, going, it's like this cork. You could hide it, you could push it down, but eventually it's going to come up again and cause a lot of damage to you and the people around you. Finally, it says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. This is the number one reason why we believers have to forgive. It's because of this. Because Christ forgave us. If you're sitting here and you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, this isn't an option. This is not an option. Right? It's not a suggestion. If you want to be released from the past, if you want to experience God's presence in your life, if you're wondering why you're not feeling God's presence in, in your life, because you're holding a grudge against somebody, it could possibly be because of this. There are plenty of scriptures in the Bible that says if you don't forgive, God won't forgive you. Now, it doesn't mean that God won't forgive your sins because we know that he's already forgiven us. But if we don't forgive, don't expect to move forward in your faith. Don't expect to feel God's presence in your life if you're harboring a grudge to somebody, against somebody, no matter what it is. You've got to forgive them because why? Christ has forgiven you. And I hope that this is one thing that you leave today. It says that you release your past so that your past can release you. Because unless you do that, you're going to be held slavery. Man, I was held in captive for a long time, for decades, decades, because I won't release my past. And my past didn't release me. But praise God, he's done that. And he could do that to you. It's hard. It's just too raw for me right now. But I've got to forgive him. Because you've forgiven me. 